Hello everyone. I'm Charles and I had the pleasure of speaking with you this morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been speaking on following Jesus. It clearly wasn't that long ago, but when I was asked to speak of this, Pete asked me any time what the topic was. When I heard the subject matter, my mind rested on a, a couple of viewpoints, a couple of ways of looking at things. So these are my musings. They're my thoughts, as you will. I want to state from the outset, I'm on this faith journey like the rest of you, like the rest of us. And as I unfold my musings, I wholeheartedly encourage you in this current climate of fact-checking, okay, you got to keep me honest, to be like a Berean church in Acts and dissect and verify anything that I say. So, when Pete told me what the theme was following Jesus, it got me thinking, what thoughts conjured up when I hear that phrase. What does it mean to follow Jesus personally? What does that mean in the lives of us living in Essex, London, the UK in 2020? With the backdrop of COVID, BLM, Me Too, anti-Semitism, socio-political unrest, economic uncertainty, what, what does it mean? What does following Jesus look like then? What do we do when following Jesus seems hard or uncomfortable due to situational pressures we find ourselves in? But for now, a small digression. So, I started a new job during lockdown. We have many video conferences on a daily basis, I'm sure many of you can relate to now. My manager introduced this idea. Every Friday, in our Friday morning meetings, we have a, it's kind of like show and tell. So each of us will bring something well, an interesting story about ourselves or a family member, and we just talk about it. We're all IT guys, so um, you can imagine what some of the stories are like. So our first person to speak was my manager. He self-taught the piano, so he he can play the piano, doesn't read music. A pretty cool skill. The second guy who spoke, spoke of his love of ham radio. I mean, a guy who spends all day working on PCs, servers, laptops, and to relax, he spends his weekends erecting transmissions masks and sending data packets to Australia and speaking to other ham radio enthusiasts. <laughs> I guess you all have our passions, right? Then it was one of my colleagues' turn. He brought out a picture of his grandfather and the picture of his grandfather's medals. He then proceeded to regale us of this breathtaking story of his grandfather, the war hero, and all the feats he did for crown and country. I'm not going to lie. Nobody wanted to go after him. I mean, it wasn't a competition, but, you know, my I went to college with Idris Elba story seemed a little bit you know, superfluous in the light of that. We are the church in 2020. Jesus, the very cornerstone of our belief system, walked the earth 2,000 years ago. We read the accounts of his character, fully God, fully man, his miraculous introduction to the world. We know, we all know, probably by heart, the records of his coming being foretold, the excitement, the hope and anticipation this brought with it. We record the accounts of his miracles, his signs and wonders, acts of unbelievable kindness, selflessness, wisdom, radical thinking, the relationship he had with his heavenly father, his commitment to truth and righteousness, from his life, death to resurrection. A movement was born called The Way, which after a few iterations and reboots became the church as we know it, us. So, knowing that, and knowing what Jesus did while on earth, raises this question, how do, we, how do we follow that? How do we follow Jesus? 
I'll come back to that later on. So to my earlier question, what does it mean personally for me to follow Jesus? <sighs> to follow Jesus is such a mind-blowing thing. I get to do life with an array of fantastic people I get to call family. I can learn from so many people and do so becoming a better version of myself. I get to be part of so many versions and expressions of worship, not just music and dance, although we've got that down at Skylark. I get to give back, which is so important to me, as I know it is to so many of you out there as well. We get to, on a daily basis, in small ways and large on occasions, unpack the wonders that is this faith walker on. I get to make mistakes en route to being right, but not have that credited against me. To follow Jesus means knowing that we are free. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not only are we free, but we have a clean slate. 2 Corinthians 5.17 states, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That clean slate means anything that we, in our own humanity, hold on to from our past that we may feel a sense of guilt or shame over, has no legitimate power over us. Romans 8.1-2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Christ, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gave us life has set us free from the law of sin and death. These are remarkable and liberating truths, and they are God's promises to us. Think on, think on that. Freedom and liberty are God's promise to us. A clean slate, a clearing of the transgressions cash of our lives is ours. It's not an optional extra. It comes in a standard Christian life package. The continual assurance that despite what we feel about our past shortcomings, this remains an unshakable truth. We are not in bondage to it. We have been liberated from any sense of guilt, culpability, condemnation. It's only that we retain memories of our former creation that we sometimes struggle with this notion. Following Jesus means recognising the sacrifice he made for us and being intentional in living a life that honours that. Following Jesus is a daily process of tuning our hearts into the same frequency and resonance as his and allowing his love to flow through us in all we say and do, in how we relate to and love one another with added demonstrable love, in how we have a heart for our community and the kingdom, in our personal relationship with the Father in heaven. So let's develop this train of thought a little bit more. As I mentioned earlier, we're in uncharted waters, that's obvious. With all the challenges that we have had to navigate in, in the last few years, COVID, Me Too, BLM, anti-Semitism, gender and sexual identity, social media proliferation, socio-political instability, economic uncertainty. What guise does following Jesus take? I would be way off the mark if I said that there had not been significant events over the last few years that have shaped many a viewpoint, both secular and religious. But I would say that, I would say that, I'm living in this time. Civilization as we know it is not that old, and there have been countless events that have shaped the pervading thinking of the day. This is one of the reasons I love Jesus. His life, his story really is timeless. The core messages and values are as relevant now as they were 2,000 years ago. The woman at the well is now the woman in the rehab clinic. The despised tax man is now the Syrian refugee. The Peters, the Thomases, the Amiris and the Marthas. We see some of their traits in ourselves at some point in time, both the good and the bad. Following Jesus in COVID-19 Chelmsford is no more difficult than following Jesus in World War II Chelmsford or Vietnam War Kentucky or 2008 Financial Crisis London. I'm 
I'm going to up the ante. It's no more or less difficult now than it was in September 11th, 2001, Manhattan. Look, don't get me wrong. The landscapes all looked horrific. But what do we do in response? 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus is eternal. His love, truth, promises, and indeed his church is eternal. We have not seen the last of these tragedies that have hit the world. But like all the others, and those we are currently in the midst of, these two shall pass. I have seen and experienced a different type of unity and oneness with people I've barely said anything more than a heartfelt good morning to since the government restrictions were put in place. How is it that in a time of restriction, freedom has abounded? It certainly has anything to do with me, or any of us really. <laughs> in the words of Spiro Stingley in one of my favourite gospel hip house songs, it's all Jesus. When circumstances reduce your life to the essentials, you quickly realise that we have a rather lot of auxiliary stuff going on that is not really vital. The principles of Jesus fall squarely into the category of the essentials. When we consider the scenarios I've just touched upon, our humanity, our natural self pipes up. Oh, oh following Jesus seems hard and uncomfortable. How can I advocate following Jesus when I'm going through this, when we're all going through this? This often happens when our natural and human instincts gain a voice. But family, we are supernatural beings. The God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the sculptor of man and woman, the divider of the Red Sea, the one who rained fire from heaven, the raiser of the dead. This God, by his spirit, has made each and every one of us his dwelling place. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. 1 John 4, 13-16 tells us, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and, and, and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Granted, it is a journey, a process to fully grasp that we're actually connected to the supreme power of the universe and time and space. Because it's, so it's so big, right? But scripture fully qualifies this position time and again. A big part of unwrapping this Christian life, life in general really, is all wrapped up in identity. Who are we, who are we in Christ? What does God say about us? In light of this, what is our purpose in this world? I would like to put forward a suggestion that to the, degree, to the degree that we grasp who Jesus is and in turn who that means we are, this is the same degree that we can declare with confidence the merits of following Jesus, irrespective of the backdrop, economic, pandemic, socio-political, whatever. Our God is preeminent and our stance on following Jesus need to be subject to caveats or an asterisk that refers us to a footnote that says reserve the right to revise this stance in light of any unforeseen circumstances. Hebrews 12, 2-3 reads, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart.
faith is only exercised when it's tested. If you're not tested, there's more hypothesis, hypothesis than faith. So these seemingly hard situations we find ourselves in, these situations where the path of least resistance seems a far more attractive option than scaling the rock face of righteousness and standing up for what you believe in, in the face of oppositions of all kinds, these situations, they make us. These situations build and test our faith. They elicit the response that engages the, the courage to leap into the unknown. So, so as I mentioned in the intro, Pete asked me to contribute to this morning's message and he shared the subject, title, however you want to describe it, following Jesus. I broadly mulled over my initial thoughts with your good selves, but as I mentioned, there was another branch of thought that came to me and it got me thinking and asking a whole new kind of set of questions. So, so look, undoubtedly, Earth Jesus, I'll call him, Earth Jesus, was an outstanding character. He's chronicled in religious scripts and secular historical rec recorded accounts as well. His coming was heralded by kings, wise men and shepherd. How's that for appealing to multiple social classes? From a young age, he took an avid interest in studying and learning God in heaven. In fact, we read in Luke 2, um, 49, after Mary and Joseph thought they'd misplaced, misplaced Jesus, you know, um, they find him in the temple and his response was, why, why were you searching for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? When preparing for the start of his ministry, he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. He won a battle of wits with the enemy. Anything, everything the accuser came with, Jesus rebutted with scripture. He knew the truth and was super confident on standing on those said truths. When he got baptised, God the Father and the Holy Spirit rocked up to give him their seal of approval. He did a bunch of miracles, from keeping a party going by turning water into wine, to walking on water, healing the sick, raising the dead, as well as many, many, many more. He imparted wisdom and knowledge, both on a grand scale and also to individuals and small groups. He loved and served people. Where he saw injustice, he stood as an advocate for those being oppressed. He stood against systemic malpractices, in particular, the hierarchy of the day. He was not judgmental. He never downplayed or denied who he was or his position on things. He was betrayed by those very close to him. He held no malice. He was convicted on trumped up charges. He held no malice. The governor, governor of the day, Pontius Pilate, in the full knowledge that Jesus was innocent, but at the same time not wanting to seem weak, orders his execution by crucifixion. He held no malice. He was crucified and whilst hanging there, prayed and asked God to forgive those in the baying crowd. He died on that cross, was buried, rose again, appeared to some 500 different people before ascending into heaven. You remember those rubber wristbands that were all the rage many years ago? WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, according to biblical accounts, my guy would do an exceeding amount. And then, after all this, he leaves us with this little gem in John 14, 11, 12. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Uh, 
say what now? All the stuff we, we've read and learned about, the works of Jesus, the God particle of our faith, the signs, the wonders, the influence, the impact. What you're saying, this was just a warm-up act. And we're the headliner. How how can this be so? So, okay, right. Here's my take on this. And my answer is pretty simple. Jesus tells us it can be. So in the verses that follow, Jesus tells it can how it can be, sorry. In the verses that follow immediately after verse 12. It goes like this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you do know him for he abides with you and will be with you. So we have a template. Jesus to whom we model our approach and relationship to the Father with. We have the Holy Spirit of truth residing within us, God in us. How do we do greater things? Yeah, I thought of this. Perhaps it was not a case that each individual individual believer will crush Jesus on a one-to-one battle of telling that righteous deeds. Maybe it is us as a movement, a collective with our numbers, because Jesus was but one person. And the time we have, because Jesus' ministry was what, three years thereabouts, that we can, by God's grace and enabling, usher in similarly great or greater works in higher numbers. Or maybe we are called to do it exceeding and abundantly above what Jesus has done individually. Hey, we're tapped into the same exact same source. Why not? I mean, really, why not? Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is one of those moments where, moments where you, well, where I stop and try to grasp the gravity, the bigness of that statement, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Something I have to remind myself of from time to time. Do not be overly worried about believing for something that is bigger than you. A wise man once said to me, if you think you can't, but then you do, then you didn't. He did. In other words, if you're believing for something that is bigger than you, out of reach and effectively not possible, God has a tendency to bring those things to pass. As 1 Corinthians 2, 5 says, so that your faith may not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. Following Jesus is such a wonderful privilege and the experience is so diverse. It's not just one thing, it's all encompassing. It touches every facet of our lives. Trepidation, yeah. There are times that that may surface. Just remind yourself what God says you are, who God says you are. We are so very assured in him. He orchestrated our entrance into the earthly realm in no less significant way he did Jesus. We are called to follow him, Jesus, as the author and perfecter of our faith. But we are also called to be the second act in this wonderful story of the church. Jesus set the scene for us. And now we are to hit our cues, play our part in this ever unfolding tale of love and redemption. So, there you have it, family. The musings of one guy and what following Jesus means to me. Please, let this spark conversation, discussion, and you know what? Correct me if necessary. This is a every conversation is an education deal. Have a great week, everyone. I can't wait to see you. Thanks, Charles. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your life. We thank you that you showed us how to do it, how to be strong, how to be gentle, how to be kind and loving and compassionate, how to put others' needs before our own, how to stand up for the oppressed, to fight against injustice. Lord, thank you for the incredible work of the cross that has brought us life through the cross and the power of your resurrection. And that resurrection life is now alive and at work in us. Lord, you are calling us to be your hands and feet, to do greater things than even you did by the power of your Holy Spirit at work and alive in us. And so today we say yes. We want to learn from you. We want to be filled with your power, Holy Spirit, so that we can go out into this week and bring about your kingdom to show your love, your acceptance, your hope, your miraculous power. Fill us up, Lord, and send us out as we choose once again to follow you more closely this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. That is the end of Sunday Online for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go out and be his hands, his feet and his voice this week as we follow him more closely. Take care and see you next time. Bye.